So as we're hopefully gearing up for another college football season, and I say hopefully because at this point, who knows? We're sitting here in late June. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. But as we're gearing up for hopefully another college football season, the depth of the Big 12 is something that should never and should not be overlooked. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So, And before we get it rolling, guys, please take a moment out, leave us that rating, review, subscribe to the podcast. And as a thank you for doing that, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's getting hot. We're approaching uh, the 4th of July. You're going to be out and about having a beer and whatnot. Keep it cold with the HCS koozie. Email me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get the koozie in the mail for you guys. Appreciate it. We are less than a month away to Big 12 Media Days. It's going to be virtual this year, and we are going to have you covered here on heartlandcollegesports.com. Tons of articles. We'll do podcasts, video, everything else. Uh, It's going to be Monday, July 20th, and Tuesday, uh, July 21st is when it's going to be taking place. So just stay up to date with the podcast and the website and everything else, and we'll take care of you here. But one thing as I'm, you know, thinking ahead of the season and I got my Athlon uh, Sports Magazine college football preview. That's my favorite uh, in terms of the big publications. I admit that is my favorite preview magazine. I like having the hard copy. I'm a sucker like that. I mean, give me the hard copy uh, sitting, whether it's by a beach, on a lake, on a boat, just out in the sun, at the pool, whatever it might be. And I am happy as a pig and you know what. But I'm starting to, you know, get my bearings under me, not just for the Big 12, which obviously, you know, we know like the back of our hand, but the rest of the Power 5 conferences. Not that I'm as ingrained in them, but I like to at least know what's going on. And the Big 12 has got to continue to hit a home on this theory. And they should do it at media days. And they do a pretty good job of it when they talk about, you know, the true round robin, uh, truly the two best teams, none of this divisional BS that the other conferences deal with. But they have got to continue to hit home on this because as we're getting ready for the season, I mean, is it impossible that you're going to have a three-way tie at the top of the Big 12 Conference at 7-2? and two? And you're going to have tiebreakers deciding who is going to be uh, playing in the Big 12 title game? I don't think it is. It's not inconceivable to me. Because when you think about OU, yes, it's OU's conference until proven otherwise. But for the first time under Lincoln Riley, working in one of his own quarterbacks coming out of high school, and Spencer Rattler, and then you go to teams like Oklahoma State, uh, what, 10 of 11 back on defense, all the big weapons back on offense. Uh, You go Texas, Sam Ellinger, senior, new coordinators upgrading there. Uh, You throw in Iowa State with Brock Purdy, the tight end, the defense. And, I mean, can we not overlook Baylor, who was like an overtime away from possibly being in the college football playoff? We're all doing it. I admit I'm doing it. Uh, But can we look at, like, five teams legitimately that you can make a case for playing in a big 12 title game and possibly winning that game. That's half the conference. Find me another power five conference where you can make a case where half the conference uh, can win a conference title. And you can't, you cannot do it. I mean, and the bottom of this conference, go to the bottom where you've got the Kansas Jayhawks, right? I mean, yes, KU is a bad football team. It's been a bad football program. But you've got to give uh, Les Miles and his staff this credit. 
they went out there this year and and they did not go with the quick fix that Charlie Weiss, David Beatty, and so many others at KU have tried to do and have failed at. Now, maybe that's because Les Miles feels like for the first time he's the guy that's got the flexibility to say, hey, if you want to do this right, follow my lead, and it's going to take more time, and it means grooming high school guys. But they didn't go the JUCO route this past class. They did not do it. And you know what? They finally have a semblance of an offense, thanks to offensive mind Brett Dearman. And, you know, they're a team that, yes, was not good last year. I'm not going to pretend like KU would, would do well in any Power 5 conference. They wouldn't. But you saw, in many cases, reasons for improvement, right? You saw spurts where you said, hey, there's something there, whether it's uh, beating Tech or at Texas losing by a couple of points. Beating Boston College. I mean, three wins is still three wins. Nothing to write home about. But there's reason to believe that things will improve. But outside of KU, you look at every team in this conference, and you can make a case on why this fall, any given Saturday, one of these teams can beat any other of these teams. You can do that in the Big 12. And I don't think you can do that in any other conference where uh, 90% of your teams can beat each other on any given Saturday. And on top of that, half of your teams can win the conference. You can't do that for any other conference. I mean, the ACC... It's a joke. It's a complete joke. You got 14 teams there, seven and seven. Uh, the Coastal Division is comical, completely comical. And the Atlantic is real good, but it's still basically just Clemson and the ACC. It's amazing how mediocre the rest of that conference is. And the bottom stinks, completely stinks. Uh, where else do you want to go? You want to go to the SEC? Let's do that here. Uh, yes, Georgia, uh, Alabama, LSU, great programs. Florida as well, throw them in the mix. Tennessee's getting better. Kentucky had a good year two years ago. Uh, Mizzou hasn't been the same since Pinkle left. Uh, South Carolina, eh. Vanderbilt stinks. And then on the other side, A&M is always overrated. Mississippi State and Ole Miss have new coaches, of course. That should be interesting. And then Arkansas has struggled over the last several years. You can't make a case for half of the SEC to win the conference. You can't do it. Pac-12, same thing. You're going to talk about Oregon, Utah. Maybe USC, uh, that's the extent of it in terms of who might be able to win the conference. And then who am I forgetting? You got the ACC. Oh, of course, the Big Ten. You can't do it there either. Uh, not, not, for a, not for a second you can't make the case in the Big Ten. You've got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Throw in uh, maybe a Wisconsin. And on a good year, an Iowa. But that's it. You got 14 teams also in the Big Ten. You got a case there for realistically three, maybe four, five, if you want to stretch it. But that's five of 14, not five of 10. And you're not playing around Robin either. So in all these conferences, uh, whether it's the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12, you can say, well, in a given year, this team taking the SEC East, let's say, Florida misses LSU and Alabama this year, so they've got an easier road to the SEC title game. You can make that case because... The entire conference does not play each other, right? Oh, Mizzou might have a, a chance at a bowl game this year because, well, their schedule on the other side of the division is easier. I, and it's it's ridiculous that, you know, that's still something that we just don't talk enough about. And the Big 12 has got to talk more about. Now, they do do it in the press releases and all this, uh, you know, Bob Bowlesby will mention it at media days. He'll do all that. But 
what he's really got to make sure he is doing. Bowlesby's got to do this. He has got to tell his ADs, his presidents, and they've got to tell their coaches to do this as well. Lincoln Riley's been very outspoken over the last couple of months, more outspoken in the past couple of months with non-football-related stuff than he's been in the last, like, three years about football itself and having, and I love Lincoln Riley, but he's not a great soundbite. Lincoln Riley, now that he's getting more comfortable, it seems like, in speaking out, I hope that he uses that for the conference and for OU and for the Big 12 as a whole. I really hope he does that. Because it's become clear that when Lincoln Riley talks, I mean, the college football media listens. They did it on COVID. They did it with, you know, uh, these social justice things happening the last several weeks. They've listened to Lincoln Riley. He has gotten attention for it. So it is time for him to now take that step on the football side, right? It's time for him to do that. I want to hear Tom Herman do it. I want to hear Mike Gundy do more of it. I want to hear Gary Patterson's the one who you can say does it, right? You can say that Gary Patterson does it. Matt Campbell, uh, you know, it's not his style, but I'd love to hear him do it in comparing to the Big Ten, which is kind of his home turf. Hell, Dave Aranda. I, and maybe Dave Aranda can't speak to it yet because he hasn't played in the Big 12, but I hope that by the end of the season or maybe next season, Dave Aranda, the head coach of the Baylor Bears, who is, uh, by the way, you know, came from LSU where he was the defensive coordinator and just won a um, national championship. And before that was at Wisconsin. So he's seen the best of the best in other conferences. I hope he comes here. And by the end of the season, Dave Aranda's like, this conference, you guys want to say this conference is not the SEC or the Big Ten? This is a gauntlet of a conference. This conference is top to bottom. I mean, right there week to week as difficult as any conference because of how it's set up, right? Like I I wouldn't say right now, and I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't say right now if I put up the best three teams in the Big 12 and I stack them up against the best three teams in the SEC uh, or the Big 10, I'm not saying right now I would take the Big 12 teams. Would I take LSU, Alabama, and Georgia over, let's say OU, Oklahoma State, and Texas? Yeah, I, I would. I admit that. But in terms of going through a schedule, top to bottom, playing around Robin, having one versus two in your conference title game, nobody else in college football is doing that. And if no one's going to do it and no one's going to talk about it for the Big 12, the Big 12 has got to talk about it for itself. And we have to do it on shows like this. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the website. Uh, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Be sure to check us out there. Coming up, let's talk to Matthew Postens, one of our own uh, contributors, about everything happening on the COVID front and also some big basketball news. That's all coming up next. Well, we now welcome on a uh, voice that you know well and a name that you read all the time on heartlandcollegesports.com. He's Matthew Postens joining us. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Uh, Matthew, a lot to get into on the football front and the COVID front. We'll do that momentarily. But as our lead basketball guy, uh, let's start off with this story. The number one recruit in America, Kate Cunningham, is going to stay at Oklahoma State despite the postseason ban next year for the Cowboys. How shocked are you by this news? I'm a little surprised. I mean, he had options. 
uh, beyond uh, staying in school. I mean, he could have gone to the G League. He could have gone overseas. Uh, he could have, you know, gone the pro route for a year that some players have gone uh, over the past couple of years to satisfy that requirement that you have to be out of high school for one year before you can go to the NBA. But if you really think about it, he really doesn't have that many options. With everything that's happening in the world right now with COVID, you know, the NBA is trying to reboot. Uh, there are still some questions about whether or not they'll actually be able to do it, given all the uh, rise in cases in Florida over the past week. So when you really think about it and kind of break it down, he really didn't have the options that he might have had a year ago had he come out of school and this happened last year. He could have easily gone to the G League or gone overseas without having to worry about all the potential health issues that would have gone along with COVID-19. So on the one hand, I'm a little surprised because he could have just uh, taken his name out of the scholarship and, and taken a step back and maybe gone to another school. But on the other hand, he's got good relationships with Mike Boynton, uh, obviously as a family member who's on the staff there at Oklahoma State. And if Oklahoma State can somehow successfully overturn that postseason ban for this year, uh, they could still play in the postseason in March. I, I doubt it's gonna happen, but I think this is the safest bet for him right now to play a year of college at Oklahoma State, a place that he knows, a place where he likes the people, and then move on to the NBA. Real, okay, so you're not buying the idea that behind the scenes, Oklahoma State's confident they can get this thing overturned? I I don't think they're going to get it overturned, personally. I mean, okay. when you look at – because if they're going to overturn this – I'll tell you, I'll put it like this. If they're going to overturn this postseason ban for um, Oklahoma State, then they darn well better overturn the over, the postseason ban for my alma mater because we did a lot less to get that postseason ban than Oklahoma State did. Which is, for those that don't know – uh, we uh, misreported our academic progress rate for several years. Stephen we F. Austin, do math Stephen F. Austin well, right? Stephen F. Austin, yeah. Okay. Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew, <laughs> let's let's dive into what's happening now on the football side of things. Um, you know, we, we know that COVID is going to play a big role in what happens this fall. Uh, we hope that the season has a sense of normalcy to it. We have no idea. What, what struck me, though, uh, recently here is that Iowa State announced a few weeks ago they're going to try to have a half-full stadium. And then this week, uh, Story County, Iowa, which is where Ames is located, came out and said, uh, you know, we would recommend no fans at sporting events this fall. I, this is something to me, Matthew, that I think is going to pick up steam. And what kind of impact could that have on, on college football and, and these programs and revenues and everything else? Well, certainly the impact would be at the gate, you know, ticket sales, um, concessions, uh, and those sorts of things, the kinds of expenses that you would you would gather up on game day. But let's be honest about this. The main driver for athletic departments, especially at the Big 12's level, is television money. You know, the, the conference paid out, I think, 36 or 37 million to every school uh, through the TV payout this year. It's a little less than they were expecting because of COVID, but they still got a lot of money uh, from the TV contracts they have with ESPN and Fox and everybody else. It's just like with NFL football, and I've been saying this for a few weeks to, to, other, to other folks on the radio, they will play games with no fans before they don't play games at all. Mm -hmm. I promise you that. Yeah. They will play games with no fans because if they don't have the TV money coming in, they lose programs. They can find ways to work around the, the lack of revenue generation for ticket sales and concessions and that kind of thing. They can find ways to, to work around that. But they can't work around the loss of television revenue. That's just not going to be a, a possibility for any major college athletic program. You know what's amazing to me too, Matthew? One thing that's, I don't know if this surprised me, but 
it, it really does seem like these athletic programs have been living high in the hog for so long due to TV money, and God bless them for it. But the minute this pandemic started, I mean, they were they were furloughing and, and everything else, I mean, right away, which tells me uh, the margins that they are running off of are very small in these athletic departments. I mean, is that just because of the nature of the beast and you've got so many scholarships you got to give away all across the board, only a couple of sports make money? Or is this a chance to reevaluate these programs all over the country and say, maybe we were a little bloated and maybe there is a place to be more efficient? Yeah, I, I think both things are true. I think you're absolutely right about the margins. You know, when I think about uh, one of my favorite documentaries is Requiem for the Big East, uh, which is about Big East basketball in the 1980s and the rise of college basketball and television. And the Big East fueled that rise. And one of the things they talk about is the fact that they had a few programs in the Big East that played football, and they needed help to find people to play. But they also talked about how football can you, you know, basically bankrupt you as, a, as an institution from an athletic standpoint. The high is great when you win a national championship, but the year-to-year maintenance of running a football program, especially at the level of Oklahoma, Texas, and those schools, the margins are really small. I mean, Texas generates $100 million in revenue every year, but most of that goes out to scholarships goes to support other sports in the program, goes to do other things athletically speaking. So, yeah, the margins are really small. And maybe this will serve as an opportunity for you know, some of these schools to reevaluate, not necessarily the sports they offer, but maybe how they staff these sports. I mean, when you look at the staff listing for some of these major universities, and I was doing some of that research last night, I mean, you have three or four folks doing social media for some of these universities. Wow. Maybe you have to cut back some of those folks. I mean, uh, there's if if they don't have even if they do have college football the way we're hoping to this year, I think you could certainly see some schools do a paradigm shift in how they staff their universities, how they staff their athletic departments, and maybe in the number of support of, of sports that they support, even if they are still making money. Matthew, uh, Big Twelve Media Days is less than a month away. Uh, it's going to be virtual this year, so we will not all be down in uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex uh, with you, where you are based out of, uh, in a few weeks. But as yeah. as we get ready for that, I mean, what's what's most intriguing to you about how that's going to go down and, and what the storylines are going to be? Well, as far as it being virtual, it's going to be really interesting because I've never done anything like that before, you know, from a sports standpoint. You know, I've covered media days since I was, you know, uh, a young reporter in my 20s and I've never had a situation like this where you know I don't really know how things are going to go it makes it kind of difficult for us to plan from a media standpoint what I'm hoping will actually happen is that it'll actually give us more opportunities to talk to more people uh, during those two or three days than we would usually get uh, based on the way they do things in person but when you think about storylines obviously there are going to be a lot of questions about COVID we're going to be talking to coaches and players and I would imagine that coaches are going to toe the party line and say we're doing everything we can to keep our players safe, which I think these schools are. I think they're taking it seriously and doing everything they can. When you look at K-State shutting down workouts, when you look at schools like Houston shutting down workouts. But I think you're also going to hear a lot from players about how they want to play. You know, I mm-hmm. think at the core of this, one of the things we've forgotten is that players want to play. They went to college to get an education to play football. I think they understand the risks on some level, but at the end of the day, they want to play games just like anybody else in the country. And I think there's going to be a a thread of social justice as we go through these few days and media days as well. Uh, It really started with professional sports in terms of of what you were hearing from players out there on Twitter and Instagram and things like that, but it is very much filtered down into the college game 
uh, as well with, with Texas having their long walk from campus over to the Capitol a couple of weeks ago. Uh, more and more players are feeling the, uh, the need and the desire to speak out. You know, you have college athletes who are probably more empowered or feel more empowered to speak out on these things than ever before. So there's going to be a spread of that that goes through, I think, uh, Big 12 media days as well. And from a competitive standpoint, Oklahoma and everybody else, who's going to knock off Oklahoma? Because at the end of the day, Oklahoma's won the last uh, every title since they went to the conference championship game. Uh, and it really honestly hasn't been that close. Yeah, I'm with you there on everything you just said. He's Matthew Postens. You read him at heartlandcollegesports.com. And don't forget, his College Football America yearbook is available uh, next week, Matthew, right on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. That is what we're hoping. That's what we're hoping. I'm actually working on it right now. We're working on uh, kind of wrapping up our uh, dream team. There's actually a few Oklahoma, uh, a couple of Oklahoma State players in the team. Chubba Hubbard and Tyler Wallace are in our dream team this year, along with uh, uh, Samuel Cosby, a Texas offensive lineman, Creed Humphrey, the uh, Oklahoma center, uh, and a couple of other Big 12 players. So uh, there'll be some nice Big 12 threads going through that book along with our uh, usual Big 12 preview. Well, go find it, College Football America Yearbook, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Matthew, great to talk to you, man. Always appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon. All right, thanks. Coming up, let's talk about the power of the players right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Final few minutes as we wrap up the show on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks so much for joining us for a few minutes here and being a part of it. So, uh, a few things. You know, I, we're not going to do more politics. I am so glad the season is coming here and coming closer. I know there's so much that kind of ties in the political space. The Gundy stuff last week, the T-shirt, the OAN. Um, but let's look at this from a big-picture perspective. West Virginia has put defensive coordinator uh, Vic Koenig on a leave of absence due to mistreatment allegations. Uh, this comes from sophomore Kerry Martin. And some of what he alleged, uh, the full story is on our website, heartlandcollegesports.com. He claims that uh, Koenig had used the word uh, retarded, which obviously is a uh, derogatory slur. And and this is coming from Martin, who has uh, family members who are, um, uh, you know, mentally struggling. Uh, He also talks about stories where Koenig had talked in practices about supporting President Trump's wall and uh, a few other items as well, uh, claiming that he had a slave mentality when talking to his high school coach. Now, the high school coach has refuted those claims uh, made by Martin, but that's kind of the summary of of where this all stands. Uh, Big picture wise, I am not against players having more of a voice, right? I'm I'm really not. Um, But my fear here is that a pendulum can go from one direction and swing all the way to the other side. And here's the thing. Neither is healthy. The players have enough say, let's say, or uh, get enough love, let's say, a generation, two generations ago. Eh, You can make a strong case that's not the case. You can make a case that they deserve more right now. I mean, some people are fans of paying players. I I am not, um, and I think we are seeing the financial ramifications of that play out right now with how small the margins are in college athletics. How are you going to pay players on top of it, right? The football program is already paying for every other athlete in the entire university. 
to be on some form of scholarship. That's all coming from football money. So this idea that, hey, we can play this player 100 grand, this guy 50 grand, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not realistic, right? Um, and most players, by the way, aren't worth more than their twenty-five to $50,000 a year they get in things like education, room and board, training, food, all that kind of stuff. Most of them aren't worth more than that. The big stars are, yes, but most are not. Vince Young, yes. Tim Tebow, yes. The third string tight end, no. He's lucky he's getting the scholarship. He should be grateful he's not going to be coming out of college with $100,000 in student loan debt. But I'm all for, leave the paying players aside, having a conversation where, you know, players do feel more empowered, right? I mean, if the NCAA or if EA Sports, I should say, wants to make NCAA football, and there's a stipend in there for the players for using image and likeness, I have no issue with that whatsoever. But my fear is that in the moment we are in as a nation, which there's certainly positive conversations that can come out of it, regardless of where your political ideologies are, there are positive conversations that can come out of it. I don't want us to take the pendulum and swing it 180 degrees in the other direction because that's not healthy either. It's not. I don't know what's going to come out of this Koenig investigation at West Virginia. I have no idea. Not a clue. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I was not a fly on the wall. But if it's things like similar to Gundy, where it's like, you know, the guy said something about politics in the meeting room that he shouldn't have said, there's got to be an awareness there from coaches. I mean, I, I would not be. If I was a college football coach, I wouldn't be talking about my politics for the players. What's the point? What's the benefit of that? Right? I mean, respect that other people in the room might have a different opinion from you. But at the same time, are we going to make that a fireable offense because players don't like your politics? No, I think it's a reasonable conversation to have to say, guys, it's a hot political environment right now. Let's just can we all agree to not talk politics inside uh, training rooms or inside practice facility? Whatever. Just leave it out. OK, let's all just. Let's all just stay away from politics right now. It's a hot topic, and there are very differing opinions. Okay, fine. Should somebody lose a job over that? No, I, I do not think so. And if we do that, then the pendulum has swung too far the other way. It has. Something else to keep an eye on. Uh, the Big 12 Conference is considering pushing back the championship game. It's right now scheduled for Saturday, December 5th, uh, but... That is up in the air because of COVID. Uh, the Big 12 is, I guess, giving themselves the option to see if they can do it a week later. Now, we don't know what that's going to have in terms of impact on the playoff, in terms of the selection committee. Uh, what are the Cowboys doing? Because that AT&T Stadium, a lot of that's up in the air. But it is smart for the Big 12 to create a ton of options for itself right now. Options, versatility is key with where we are and what is going on in this country and, you know, trying to get these games in so, you know, things can look semi-normal this fall and this winter. So keep an eye on that and don't book those uh, travel tickets just yet for the Big 12 championship game. If you're that confident, your team is going to be there, by the way. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And guys, please take 30 seconds, leave us a rating and a review. It would mean so much to us if you would do that. It does help tremendously. And... 
If you want that free Heartland College Sports koozie, I'll put it in the mail. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you to each and every one of you for all you do, listening, spreading the word. We appreciate that. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.